Gospel of John, chapter 9. Beginning in verse 1, <clears throat> Gospel of John, chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Amazing statement, one which we'll ponder here in the next few weeks. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask now your blessing upon the reading of thy word. We do pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us in its truths. Lord, I pray for those this morning that are in the same condition as this man, this unnamed, unknown man, blind to the things of God. I pray for them that you would help them to see for the very first time the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd call them out of darkness under the light of thy glorious Son. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with your children. That Lord, as we study this passage of Scripture, Lord, we'd with joy draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Lord, that they would spring up into everlasting life, refreshing our hearts, our minds, and our souls in the wonderful salvation which we have in Christ. Oh Lord, I pray that in all things this morning, you would be lifted up, and you would be honored and glorified. And Lord, your children would be strengthened and encouraged and lost, would be called out of darkness. Lord, do a miracle this morning in our midst, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind but now I see. Where is the child of God who cannot bear witness with these words of the old hymnist considering the amazing grace of God? I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind to the things of God. But now I see Dear beloved, it is truly a marvelous thing, a marvelous thing that we so often forget as God's children, that God out of his infinite mercy and grace would send his only begotten son into this sin-cursed world that he might seek and save those who are lost and blinded by sin's darkness and ignorance, that we might 
see the light. Not merely any light. Not the light of the sun or the light of the moon and the stars, but a much more greater and glorious light. The light of life. To see life in Christ, who is the light of the world. Do you recall as a child of God the day when God called you out of darkness into the glorious light of His beloved Son? And for the first time in your life, you that were blind now see clearly and understand the mercy and grace of God in Christ Jesus. Though you did not comprehend all things, you understood like this blind man later, you understood that I don't know who he is or what he did, but I know one thing, I was blind and now I see. A radical change has been taking place in our hearts and our minds. Not only the new birth, but enlightenment of which we'll speak much more next week, because with the new birth must come enlightenment. This is eternal life that they might know thee. That they might know thee. John chapter 3 talks to Nicodemus about being born again. Twice, you must be born again. In John chapter 9, he says you've got to be enlightened. You've got to understand. And they both go together. You cannot be born again without divine enlightenment. A marvelous change took place at our conversion. We now see the light of life, which is Christ. Not physical life, but spiritual, eternal life, which is only seen and found in Christ Jesus. I am come, Christ said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Let me read those words again and consider your own salvation. And if you lost, consider the darkness which you find yourself in. I am come a light, a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, For God who commanded the light to shine, for God who commanded, commanded, <laughs> commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is a monumental verse. This is what God has done for us in Christ. Hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a marvelous salvation we have as God's children. What a glorious, radical change He has wrought within our hearts and our minds that we who were once lost are now found. We were blind, but now we see in things concerning God and His glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And it's here on this ninth chapter of John's Gospel that we see this amazing and wonderful truth gloriously revealed in Christ's healing of an unnamed, 
an unknown blind man who was blind from his birth. We know not the name of this blind man. We know not from whence he comes. We know that he was blind from birth. And we see the wonderful, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ hidden within these passages of Scripture. And I pray God would be pleased to remind us who are His children of the wonderful works of God in our hearts and minds, and that if you're here this morning and still yet in your blindness and in the darkness of sin, that you might hear the calling of God calling you out from your darkness into the light of His glorious Son, that you might see see for the first time. I want you to notice, first of all, like in every true salvation, it is Christ who seeks and finds this poor blind man. Listen to verse 1. <clears throat> the gospel is entailed in this one simple verse. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. As Jesus passed by. Now, make no mistake this morning, this was not a chance passing. Christ was not walking down the streets and suddenly looked up and said, Oh, look, a blind man. <laughs> Consider your own salvation as we go through this passage of Scripture and let it warm your hearts anew for Christ. You know, the church at Laodicea, their sin was they forgot or they lost that first love. What's that first love? Oh, coming to Christ. You remember? This was not a chance passing. Nor is it by coincidence or by accident. Listen to me. But it was a divine, providential, and determined passing by. Christ just didn't accidentally come upon this blind man. But Christ had a divine providence and determined the counsel of God purposely passed by this man who was blind. Like Christ coming into the world, Paul said in Galatians 4, at the fullness of God's divine appointed time. At the fullness of time. In other words, in God's divine appointed time, Christ came into the world. So too, dearly beloved, Christ passing by this unknown blind man was at the fullness of God's divinely appointed and determined time and the season of his choosing. Listen to me, your salvation was not by accident. You didn't stumble upon Christ. Oh, listen to me. And let it comfort your hearts with great comfort and joy and adoration. No, it was purposely, divinely, sovereignly planned, determined by the eternal counsel of God. Your salvation was appointed by God. And as Jesus passed by, he saw, not by accident, a man which was blind from his birth. Ecclesiastes 3 speaks about to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. We've all read that passage of Scripture. Yet surely, this is not set by the dial of chance or fate. Ecclesiastes says, to everything there is a season and a time 
to every purpose under the heaven. And surely this has more regards to God's sovereign eternal decrees than it does for the providential cares of this present life in this world. Ecclesiastes goes on to say, a time to live and a time to die, a time to rejoice, a time for war. But I'm telling you, when it comes down to salvation, um, it applies it even more distinctly. God knows. Everything, everything, and especially God's salvation. Listen to me, because I think sometimes as God's children we forget this. Even down to our salvation, the day, the time, the moment of our salvation is in accordance and obedience to the sovereign will and purpose of God's unchanging and eternal counsel. When Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from his birth. How do you know that? Well, look at verses 2 and 3. Prove this. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, and here it is, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You see that? That the works of God may be manifest in him. Christ said, his time has come. His season has come. He's been born blind from his birth. He was blind. But now, today is the time come that the great works of God can be manifested in him. No, it's an appointed time. I know not why God does what he does and why he chooses things that are so contrary to our logic and our reason, but he's God. Just like here, talking about this blind man, you would think blind from birth, this man has never seen the light of day, never seen the stars in heaven, never seen the beauty of God's creation. He doesn't know nothing about Psalms 19, about the creation of God and how it speaks and shows forth the glory of God. He's seen none of that. He witnessed none of that. Why would God allow him his entire life to be blind, never to see anything that God had ever made. Never to lay eyes on his mother, his father, his family and friends. Yet Christ said, no, this purpose, if there's a divine purpose in his being born blind, that the works of God should be manifested in him. The same thing with Lazarus when he died. This death is not unto that, unto, this sickness is not unto death, but that God might be glorified through Christ Jesus. Why would he allow a man, his friend, Thou whom thou lovest has died. Why would he allow that to happen and allow Mary and Martha and the family and friends to suffer sorrow over the death of a loved one? Why would God do that? Christ said that God might be glorified in glorifying his son Jesus Christ. We know not why God does what he does. But this is part of the mystery of the kingdom of God that only true believers can understand because they now see light. God enables us to see and understand, though we might not grasp it logically, though we might not be able to put it together reasonably, we believe in God. There's a reason for it. And if God knows the falling of the sparrow out of the sky and the hairs that fall out of our head, surely when it comes to our salvation, it was perfectly planned by God. To the very minute and second. Sinful man does not stumble upon salvation. But there's none that seeketh after God, Romans said. Neither is the gospel a message of chance or possibility. 
to be determined by the will of man. For it is the power of God, Paul said, the gospel unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. Not possibly. It is the power of God unto salvation. Sometimes because we see a lack of conversion, sometimes the believer in the churches begin to lose faith in the power of the gospel. It's never lost its power. It never will. It's a power unto God. Unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. You say, well, we don't see any conversion. It still doesn't mean there's a power of God, not in the gospel. We preach the gospel. When we preach it, we preach it till our last dying breath. power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Who are born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. And every salvation, dearly beloved, every passing by of Christ is not only unique, listen to me, not only is it perfectly timed according to the eternal counsel of God. Not only did God perfectly, God didn't say, well, I've got to wait for you. I'm waiting for you to make a move. I'm waiting for you to find the right time. I'm waiting for you to wake up. No, God perfectly converted, called you and I out of darkness as God's children according to his perfect timing, his seasoning, when he chose to. Not when we chose to, when he chose to. Some of us were saved in an early age. Some of us at a latter age. Some of us say differently. I'm telling you, every salvation, every passing by of Christ is not only unique, but intimate and lovingly suited to each individual. That's how God lovingly saves us. Do you know that? Have you ever considered your salvation to be personally intimate and unique of itself? Oh, well, you know, God just saves us like we throw everybody in one pot. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. If you've lost or you did not, never understand the, the, the loving intimacy of Christ in saving sinners, be it a religious leader, Nicodemus, under the darkness of night, we know that you are of God. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. He addressed Nicodemus uniquely and intimately and lovingly suited to each individual. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Oh, but in the very next chapter, in the heat of the day, by the side of a well, uh, to a Samaritan woman who was living in sin, who came during the heat of the day because nobody else goes to the well at that time of day. She was embarrassed. She was ashamed of her lifestyle, of her living. So she come during the heat of the day. Christ met her at the heat of the day when nobody else was around and said, let me give you water. Let me give you water to drink. Unique, intimate, and lovingly suited to each individual. Be it the cries of a blind Bartimaeus as Christ was passing by. Jesus Christ, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Or by the simple touching of his garment from behind. If I could just touch his garment. If I could just reach out and touch while the people were flocked around him, pressing upon him, touching him and so cramped together the woman reaches up behind and just touches his garment and she's healed. And Christ said, who touched me? Who touched me? 
Is that not intimacy to me? That is great. That's glorious. That's salvation. Be it a Zacchaeus who climbs a tree or a thief hanging on a tree. Every salvation, yours and mine, was unique in its own way. And every passing by of Christ is most intimate and lovingly suited to each individual. That is what makes our salvation so wonderful. Whom having not seen, uh, paradox of John 9, isn't it? You love. You love. Why? He first loved me. That's salvation. And that's what each and every individual here this morning needs to understand. Because you say, I don't know if Christ is passing by or not. Surely Christ is passing by. The gospel is being preached. Christ is being presented. How much more could he be passing by than now at the moment? And it's hard for me to kind of explain to people, you don't understand, there's countless people right now lying in bed not caring about their eternal soul who doesn't care about the things of eternity, who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are present under the preaching of the gospel. Christ is passing by. Do you call out like blind Bartimaeus? Or do you climb a tree like Zacchaeus? Do you reach out and simply touch his garment? Or are you like the Samaritan woman that's thirsty and needs a drink? Or are you like the thief on the cross? You see yourself condemned and no hope in yourself and you cry out to Christ, remember me when you come into thy kingdom. It doesn't matter if Christ is passing by. So this blind man did not stumble upon Christ, neither did we stumble upon Christ, nor he on us. He passed by. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Oh, here's the poor condition of this blind man. He's blind from his birth. We know not his name. And he's rejected and condemned by others. For even Christ's disciples attribute his blindness to his or his parents sinning. In verse 2. It's amazing what Christ sees <clears throat> compared to what we see then. Christ saw a blind man. And we'll see that in a few minutes. It's more than just simply his physical blindness. Christ saw a blind man. What did the disciples see? Oh, he sinned. Even later on in the text, when the Pharisees are confronting this man, he said, You were born, they said, You were born in sins. <coughs> Excuse me, what were they talking about? He's blind. Born blind to them. You're born blind because you're a sinner. He was rejected and condemned by all others, except Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. If Christ saw this man, not only his outward condition <coughs> of being blind, but the words by birth proves he saw more than that. <coughs> Excuse me. He saw the deep darkness which was in his soul. Seeing him, he had compassion on him. (coughs) It is amazing how when Christ walked amongst men, what he seen in people that other men did not see. The woman that washed his feet 
the Pharisee said, if he knew what kind of woman she was, <coughs> he knew. When he sat at tables, the Pharisee says, he eateth the sinners. The woman taken in adultery. They all wanted to condemn her. We know the story. They all walked away convicted of themselves. And he looks up and asks the woman, who is where your condemners? There's none here, neither do I condemn. Isn't it amazing what Christ sees in men that men don't see in others? You say, preacher, you don't understand. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy of God's grace, love, and mercy. Christ looks at you different than men do. He sees you differently than men do. He sees you in a need of salvation. God delighteth in mercy. Do you know that? One time preaching in the streets in Germany, I had a <clears throat> town drunk come up to me one day. And I think he started the question by being sarcastic. But later on, he was silent. He said, you're a preacher. What's the requirements for salvation? Almost as though he's saying, what must I do to be saved? He said, what are the requirements for salvation? I said, well, just to make it just plain and simple as I can, the requirements for salvation is that you be godless, a sinner, defiled, wretched. He was silent. I said, that's the requirement. Because the Lord came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to save not the righteous, but the unrighteous. He came to save the ungodly. You see... You can't make yourself fit for God. It's impossible. It's impossible. He came to save you where you are. He came to where the blind man was. You know, the blind man would have never sought out Christ. As a matter of fact, unlike Bartimaeus, <clears throat> getting ahead of myself, unlike Bartimaeus, we have no record here that the blind man, you know, heard that Jesus was passing by or that he cried out to Jesus. We have no record that he even knew Christ was present. Christ just passed by, saw this man who was blind, went up, Spit on clay, put on his eyes, he said, go heal yourself, he went and got healed. There's no record of that. This blind man could have never found Christ. What's he going to do? Hey, somebody point me to Christ. Bartimaeus did that, and people said, shut up, get behind, don't say nothing, quiet. No record of this man ever asking for Christ to come to him or asking for mercy. Christ found him. This is the perfect picture of salvation. We did not, as God's children, suddenly wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm going to set out and seek Christ didn't happen. Like this blind man, God providentially used things, secondary causes, if you want to call them, to bring us to notice and recognize our need of God. For me, it was a heathen rock star blaspheming God. That began the whole thing. Other people's got different testimonies. Said God would never use that. Well, He did. Christ saw him like nobody else seen him. Christ saw you like nobody else did. He saw you and found mercy upon you. 
pity. I've come not into the world to condemn the world. Why? The world was already condemned. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. If you say you see, you're blind, is what he said. But if you know you're blind, I'll make you see. You see, that's the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of it. I love the doctrines of our holy Christian faith. I love the doctrine of election and predestination and sovereignty and providence. And they enrich our souls with, with understanding and knowledge. And it, it draws our hearts and affections closer to God. But I'm telling you, there is a simplicity in salvation that many times those who embrace such doctrines make complicated. It's not that complicated. He's blind. Now, could have Christ simply healed him? I'm getting ahead of myself, but yes, he could have. In other places, he just touched a man's eye. But here he takes clay and he spits in it, or dirt spits in it. Can you imagine how gross that was to people? He's going... <laughs> Seems like uncommon for something God to do, right? And it takes more than just a little spit to make clay. I won't get gross and talk about logies, but I'm just saying it, it, it takes more than just a little spit to make clay. It made clay. That's a lot of moisture for that dry ground upon which Christ walked. He picks it up, spits on it till it's clay, puts it on his eyes, says, okay, now go wash in the pool. I bet people standing around going, that's got to be the most foolish thing I've ever seen in my life. Is this? But you never hear, again, again, anyway, you never hear this man complain. You never hear him say like Naaman says, no, nah, the waters in Jordan's a whole lot better. He says, no. He never says, this is ridiculous. I'm not letting you spit in my eye. It's amazing how God brings about his salvation. Each one's unique and suited to the needs of every individual. It's the same salvation. It's amazing. <clears throat> what the world, because of blindness of their hearts and minds, could not see, Christ saw, listen to me, Christ saw the glory of the works of God which should be manifested in this blind man's healing. That's amazing. They saw a sinner. Christ said, no. Now, Christ isn't saying, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. He's not saying these are sinless people. He's not saying that they're perfect. Nobody's perfect. There's none that's righteous. No, no. And that's not what he's saying. He's basically saying this man's blindness did not come because they were sinners. This blindness came about that the works of God might be manifested. Well, I don't understand why God allows me to go through this. I don't know why God allows people to suffer like this. I don't know why. Well, we don't see things the way God does. They saw sin. He saw uh, an occasion to manifest the works of God in him. That's why I say don't be so quick when you see God's providence as dark as they may be. Don't be so quick to write it off for something that it's not. It could very, very well be the very hand of God. For whatever purpose, sometimes he might reveal to us, sometimes he won't. Christ seen this man different. 
Paul says it best in 1 Corinthians. Let me read the verses, chapter 1, 26 to 31. For ye see, sight, ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised. Hath God chosen, I love this, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That's what he wants. That's your calling, he says. That no flesh should glory in his presence. So what they saw, Christ seemed different. What did Christ see? Stay with me. Christ seen he was blind from his birth. Now you need to really pay attention to this because this is really a vital part of salvation. He's blind from birth. That's significant. Because herein lies the sad and deplorable condition of every man, woman, and child born into this cursed world. Blind in utter spiritual darkness, living yet blind. Walking in darkness, never seeing the true light. From his birth, Christ said. It's emphasized from his birth. You see, this was no freak accident. He, did, he wasn't playing in the, in the sandbox with other kids and somebody hit, his, hit him in the face and his eyes and blinded him. This wasn't a freak accident. It was something that happened from his birth. It's not, listen to me, let's tell you children, it's not what you do or what you will do that makes you a sinner. You don't suddenly one day become a sinner. You were born a sinner. It's in your nature. In the very womb of your mother, you inherited a corrupt, depraved nature. It's what you are. You're by nature a sinner. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because there's some people that believe differently. And I know to try to justify things about children, babies dying you know, before they get too old. And I've heard the stories where people say, well, you know, they come to an age of accountability and la, la, la. I'm telling you, that just contradicts the doctrine of total depravity. You're born a sinner. You don't suddenly become one. You don't understand. When you were born, you have a depraved nature. And that depraved nature is killing you. It's killing you. It's leading you to destruction. It's not what you do or what you will do. It's what you are. This man was blind from birth. He had no say about it. He couldn't say, well, it was my choice to be blind or my parents' choice to be blind. No, he was born blind. It's not your choice. You are what you were born to be. All of us are born what we were born to be. Sinners by nature. That's why Christ told John or Nicodemus, you must be born again. Your first birth is condemning you. It's going to destroy you. It's going to lead you to eternal death. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born from above. You need a new nature. The one you were born with is killing you. There's a time to live or to be born and a time to die. A time to be born and a time to die. And I've often said that. There's nowhere in there that he says a time to live. There's not a time to live. As soon as you're born, you're on their path to death. Do you know that? We're dying every day. 
the moment you're born in this world, be as small and innocent and as a baby. Each day that passes by, each moment, each time that clock moves, every minute of the day, you are advancing more and more close to death. He was by nature a blind man. You are by nature a sinner. That's why the Bible says that sinners sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Why do they sit in darkness? Well, because they do concerning God. They're sitting in darkness and they're in the shadow of death. Why? The shadow of death is looming over them all the time. And you're a simple one heartbeat away from death. I've used this illustration for years, but I'll use it again. I'm not weary of saying it so often, but do you realize if you hold your hand to your chest or you put it here and feel your heartbeat, do you know that you're just one heartbeat away from death? That's how close you are to death. And what causes your heart to, to beat? They say, well, you know, blood flows through there. Yeah, that's, that's scientifically what they proclaim to say, but do you realize that what makes your heart beat is God. The heart of the king is in the hand of God. He turneth it with us, whoever he will. One heartbeat. One heartbeat away from eternity. One simple heartbeat. You say, well, I'm not old. doesn't matter. I still have time. No, you don't. Every heartbeat, you're one heartbeat closer to death. Whether it's sudden. Job says that. They die young. They die old. They die in sickness. They die in health. Death is not a respecter of persons. Jeremiah said, death looketh in our door windows. You're born, born blind. You're born a sinner. And because you're born a sinner, it's designated and appointed to die. It's appointed on a man once to die, and then the judgment. But, with that said, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man <clears throat> which is blind from his birth. That's the blessing. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not possibility. He said, I've come to seek. Verses always confounded me. He's God. Seek. God going to seek anything? That's the infinite distance between the sinner and God. It's so distant, so far away. The gulf spans such a great span that it took the Son of God to find you. That calls on great contemplation. It took the Son of God to find you and to save you because you're lost. Now, we didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I, I just feel lost. No, we sat in darkness, remember? Shadow of death looming over us. We, we just sat in darkness. But you remember the day when Jesus passed by? And by that I say, not physically, but I mean by the gospel. 
Remember that? Remember that first stirring? <laughs> I do. Remember that first stirring in your heart? You're like going, wow, I've, I've never heard anything like that. And you try to go on to the day doing what you normally do. You just can't shake that. Something, something started inside of you. Something's, something's stirring inside. You're like going, wow. It's almost like him spitting in dirt and making clay. I mean, the clay's on the guy's eyes. He's just as blind, but he's, you know, I'm sure he had somebody help him to the pool. I mean, unless he knew where it was by habit. But I'm still, you know, uh, something was stirring. Something's going on. You ever, you ever had that happen? Is that happening now? Is things happening in your life? Don't ignore that. Like I said, he saw a man, there's no record like that of Bartimaeus, who heard Christ passing by and cried out, no mention <clears throat> of this blind man even knowing that Christ was passing by. Nothing, nothing recorded in this passage of Scripture that this man had any idea that Christ was there. I'm sure there were more than just this one blind man. Do you know in those days there was many blind people? There was a lot of them. Why this one? You ever ask yourself that? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? That's an old hymn song. Why me? Why, why me? Why, why me? Why are you here this morning when there's countless of people out there on the edge of eternity who don't care? Why are you here? Yet Christ saw him, unable to come of ourselves, yet even... <sighs> unwilling because of sin's darkening of our hearts and our minds, yet Christ comes to us and calls us out of darkness. When God called Christ to preach the gospel, and stay with me a few more minutes, this is what Christ told Paul. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to preach the gospel so that their eyes might be open and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Christ Jesus. Acts chapter 26 verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That's a radical change. You know that? But Christ said, Paul, that's what you do when you preach the gospel. That's what we do when we preach the gospel. By God's grace, we, by God's grace, we attempt to open their eyes by the gospel, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. Without God, that's impossible to do. That's why the gospel is the power of God. What did this blind man do? <clears throat> we won't get into it today, but we will next week. This blind man doesn't say this is stupid or this is ridiculous. or There's no way I'm going to let you put spittle mud in my eyes. He obeyed him. Listen to me in closing. Listen. He simply, in our text, he simply obeyed him. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Now, you think that he'd come back seeing, or he believed that? I think so. Why do you think so? 
I don't think he would have went to the pool if he didn't. Something worked in his heart that he believed, as ridiculous as this might sound and appear before others, I don't care. If this is what he told me to do, I'm going to obey that. I'm going to follow that. Amen? And he did. And he went there and he seen. Now, after that, and we'll look at that later on in the progress of this chapter, after that, a whole bunch of chaos arises. The Pharisees are, oh, they're upset. Is this still the same guy? Is this the guy that was born from blind? Are you sure he was born blind? They asked his parents. His parents out of fear said, no, you have to ask him. He's old enough, so he's, he's an elderly young man. He's not a kid anymore. He's, an, he's probably a young man. His teens or early 20s, I'm guessing. Could be wrong, but he's old enough to speak for himself. And so they call him, and he said, this is a marvelous thing. <laughs> You're supposed to be religious people, and you don't understand? No one's ever been given their sight back. This guy's got to be from God. I don't know who he is, he said. I have no idea. He said, but I know one thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was blind, and now I see. I'm telling you, something happened. <clears throat> no such thing as doctrinal regeneration. Something happened. But you know the amazing thing about that? And I'm giving the whole story at the end of it. Uh, as soon as they cast him out, they saw, oh, you, who are you? Cast him. They cast him out. Cast him out of the, you know, away from the Pharisees, away from the temple, all that stuff. They cast him out. He was cast out. Then it said, Jesus found him. That's the word. I found him. Verse 1, he sought him. Later on, he found him. I've come to seek and to save. That was his. He found him. And he said, do you believe in, in Jesus Christ? He said, well, if, if I knew who he was, I would. He said, I love this. He goes, you've seen him. And you need to believe in him. You've seen him. He said, oh, Lord, I believe. He did not allow him to remain in ignorance. You see what I mean? When I first got saved, I was probably so happy over something I didn't really comprehend. <laughs> I'm like, you know, a visiting missionary says, it looks like you're walking around with a banana stuck in your mouth. You're just smiling all the time. I'd go to work. I had my hair cut. I quit drinking beer. I threw all the bottles away. I threw the bag away. I had a bag of beer by the end of the day. I'm not prideful of that, but in Germany, you can drink while you're working, and we would just drink all day long, so don't buy an Audi car, okay? But I was happy, and the glad people said, something's, something's changed about you. Something's different. <laughs> I got saved. What's that mean? I, I don't I have no idea. I mean, I know it's being freed from sin or something like that. I didn't know the whole thing, but something happened. I can't explain to you exactly who this Jesus Christ is, but he did something to me. And you know what? Now every time I go to church, every time I read the Bible, he's revealing himself more and more to me. And he's showing me who he is. And you know what? It's been over 35 years, and he's still revealing himself to me. I still don't know everything. And sometimes I'm like a kid in a candy shop. Reading through this Gospel 9 of John, sometimes I was like a kid in a candy shop. I'm going, yes, Lord, that's, that's the salvation that you gave me. That's what you gave me. You, I was blind, and now I see. I see. I, I see. I'm not walking in darkness anymore. So what do I do? If Jesus is passing by, what do I do? First of all, you don't sit there and 
play the election game or the predestination game. Well, what if I'm not? What if I'm this? No. He's passing by. Simply seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. That verse says there's a time when he cannot be found. And there's a time that he will not be near. So what do you do? You cry out like Bartimaeus. Lord, I can't see you. Evidently, nobody's going to help me. They're all telling me to be quiet. So I'm going to cry. And when they told him to be quiet, he didn't shut up. The Bible says he cried even louder. Jesus Christ, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Christ stood still. Say, preacher, can it be that simple? If it was any more complicated than that, we'd all be lost. Amen. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And he did something. May the Lord Jesus Christ open up your hearts and your minds that you might see the reality of your need of Christ and then in doing so that you might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And simply, simply believe. This blind man didn't ask any questions, didn't argue. He simply went to the pool and washed. Simply believe. What must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a glorious salvation. So simple and free. Amen. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. May God bless us all in his salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us this morning as your children Lord, the miraculous work that you've done in our, own high, in our own hearts and minds, calling us out of darkness into the glorious light of your Son, that we might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are yet without Christ, yet in that darkness. Lord, give them no rest. I pray that, Father, you'd shine your light in the darkness of their sins and their minds and their hearts and let them see and understand their need of Christ. And Lord, I pray that they lay all things to the side and they come flying to Thee. Father, we love You and we thank You for all the goodness and grace You've given us, Lord. We ask these things in Christ's name. There's one verse still in that song or that hymn that we sang that I want to close out with this. <clears throat> and can it be, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night sin. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. I'm telling you, wonderful description of salvation. May the Lord be praised. Thank you.